Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, June 13th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. And today on the show, we raved yesterday about Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson. Let's talk about the other rookies, the ones we haven't mentioned in a while. What should we be doing with those players? Big Maple is back. Team Name Tuesday and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Quick shout out to our Colorado audience. Your Denver Nuggets are the NBA champions. Scott, I am sorry. The Miami Heat lost. I know you're uh, you're probably heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> heartbroken and unplugged because uh, I, I I didn't I didn't hear much about I heard a lot about the uh, the the semifinals against the Celtics, but I didn't hear much about the finals. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't get out much. I don't leave this room much. <laughs> you know, when you came and visited me, we were we were in this room, right? Like I don't get out much. Hey, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Outside these walls. It's a great Plus, room. Plus, I'm more of a Hawks fan anyway. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> it's a great room. Great couches for those who are wondering. I know you always, you've seen the couches for years behind Scott. How do they mm-hmm. feel? Well, they used to be different couches, and I thought replacing yeah. them would stop the grandmother's living room comments. <laughs> this is not my grandmother's living room that I broadcast from. This is my own living room. I bought it with my own money. Thank you. I, I'm, not, I'm not the decorator. My wife handles that for the most part, but I I did have the final say on the sofa. So if that's your issue, then I guess I guess I have to take the blame for that. Well, Scott, you just earned yourself five more comments about it being your grandmother's living room because <laughs> for some reason that's just the way that YouTube works. Anywho, let's get into it. I don't believe it. My oh my. My oh my, Scotty. Who is a player you'd like to highlight from Monday? Well, 
It's one I highlighted recently, but I think it's worth revisiting because he was so bad for so long, and it takes more than just one game to right the wrongs of his bad start, and that is Michael Harris. Michael Harris had another great game here on Monday. He went three for four with his fourth home run of the season. All four of his batted balls were hit 101 miles per hour or more. So that is consistently hard contact he's making. Now, since since he had that last great game, that three for four performance with a home run, that was, uh, let's see, that was June 7th. That was Wednesday. So uh, almost a full week ago, he had gone four for 15 with only one extra base hit. So was it just a fake out? Was it just a fake out? Well, now, you know, two of his fi- last five games have been great. And I'll point out that he's having some really bad luck during that four-game stretch in between, as he has quite a bit this season. Uh, So, for instance, in Sunday's game, Michael Harris went only one for four. But two of the batted balls that resulted in outs had an expected batting average of 850 and 530, Mm. respectively. And really... You, you go through like if, if you're playing if you're paying close attention to Michael Harris on a day by day basis, you see a lot of that. If you're watching the games too, it's like wow, he hit that ball hard, but it was right at somebody. So he's starting to get some results now. I, I think the underlying numbers suggested all along that this was he was bound to snap out of it, and um, it appears he is. It appears he is because now, you know, counting that game. Uh, counting that game last Wednesday and counting today's game, he is now 10 for 23 with two homers in his last six games. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking just at the month of June so far, which is it spans 10 games. And overall, it's a 297 batting average with two home runs, two doubles and a stolen base for Michael Harris and entering Monday's action. Wait, hold on. I am watching the Phillies and Diamondbacks game, and I think JT Real Muto just hit for the cycle. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he He's did. He's been kind of underwhelming so far this year. We haven't talked about it. Oh, but. he he absolutely has. And I had him up at the top of the rundown here and was watching closely because he was leading off the ninth. And I know that he was, I think he was a double short of the cycle. I'm waiting to see if like a graphic pops up on the screen. But... Yeah, I think that is a cycle for JT Real Muto. Anyway, Michael Harris, what I wanted to mention is uh, in the month of June, entering Monday, his average exit velocity was 97 miles per hour. So just confirming what you saw, Scott, with all the hard contact. And then on Monday, he has the big game, four more hard hit balls. He actually had uh, a ball that turned into an error that was 110 off the bat, 110 miles per hour. So Michael Harris, hopefully you held on. I know you invested a lot in him, but... You know, if he gives you second or third round production from here on out, I think you'd be uh, pretty happy with that. Oh, my goodness gracious, for me is going to be James Paxton. For those who don't know, say you just started playing fantasy in the past couple of seasons. You might not know this about James Paxton, but his nickname is Big Maple. And back when he was in his prime and he's pitching with the Mariners and even with the Yankees, you know, he would strut around and, you know, some people would call him that. I don't know that everyone did, but... It kind of looks like he's back to just being prime James Paxton. It just comes down to a matter of health for him. So uh, this time he was going up against the Rockies in Fenway. Six innings pitched, one unearned run, eight strikeouts over one inning pitched. Uh, 
eight strikeouts to one walk, excuse me. Uh, 16 swinging strikes on 98 pitches, seven on the curve, four on the cutter, three on the fastball, two on the changeup. So getting swinging strikes on all different kind of pitches here. He has allowed a good amount of hard contact so far, but he mitigates that, Scott, with all these swinging strikes that he's getting. Uh, and he's well over a strikeout per inning, 12.4K per nine so far for James Paxson. He's up to 88% rostered. And uh, obviously, that's a good thing. People are listening. I think as long as he's healthy, he can... It looks like he can pitch like a like a top 50, maybe like... I don't know, maybe even like a top 40 starting pitcher. As long as he's healthy, that's kind of the caveat with him, always. Top 25. I would say. I mean, it's it's a big caveat. If we're going to presume health for him, that's that's how we were regarding him basically from what was it, 2015 on. It wasn't safe to assume because you know we weren't talking him up as like a sleeper or anything coming into the year, even though it looked like at some point he'd be back from Tommy John surgery. Finally, it had been a long time since we had seen him pitch consistently. It had been since 2019, and uh, so I don't. And now he's 34 years old. And I, I don't think anybody, I, I think it was right not to assume that Paxton would just be who he was before having all these health issues of the past few years. But he has been. I mean, he actually entered today's game with the best swinging strike rate of his entire career <laughs> and uh, had another good swinging strike game. And this one's 16 on 98 pitches. So that rate's only gone up. It's not like he just caught everybody by surprise in his first in his first outing or two. His last two starts have been his best two yet. Weak offenses, it's worth pointing out in those two starts. Cleveland in the first and Road Rockies here in the second. But still, I, I mean, James Paxton looks great. He looks like everything we remember him being from his Mariners days. And it's worth pointing out, Big Maple, of course, is a derivative nickname referring to the big unit, also a tall left-hander for the Mariners, Randy Johnson. James Paxson's from Canada. They're <laughs> thus Big Maple. Yeah, he looks great. And I, I don't think we can presume health going forward. I'm not saying I am ranking him as a top 25 pitcher, but in that alternate reality where we can, I, I think that's what the performance is going to be like for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you mentioned all the injuries. James Paxton hasn't hit even... He's he's already thrown more innings this season than he has in any season since 2019. So just to put that in perspective, right? So he threw 150 and two-thirds back in 2019. He's now up to 32 innings pitched this season. And last point on him, the velocity. You love to see that the velocity has remained. He's averaging around 96 miles per hour. It's actually the highest velo- fastball velocity he's averaged since... 2016. So James Paxton doing some great things right now. I guess you can make the case, Scott, that James Paxton is a sell high, but I don't know how many people are buying in and are willing to give up a legitimate asset for James Paxton, right? I mean, given that injury history. So uh, look, if no one's willing to pay up, which I highly doubt, I'm just going to hold and let's see where this mm-hmm. goes because he's he's looked great so far. A few shout-outs here. I want to mention Shohei Otani up top. I mean, this guy is off to a scorching start in the month of June. He went 2-for-4 with a double dong, including a go-ahead home run in the 12th inning of that game. And so far in 11 games in this month, he's batting 391 with five homers, two steals, and uh, up and ups his season total to 20 home runs. Also has nine steals and a 291 batting average. Uh, JT Realmuto did indeed hit for the cycle, so good job for him. 
Uh, six home runs, nine steals. It has been underwhelming, Scott. And someone pointed out to me recently, I, I think I'm the only one who has Real Muto still ranked as my number one catcher in Roto. Uh, and the reason I have that is because he got off to a slow start last year, really the first two months of last year, and then he just turned it on and he was ridiculous. So yeah, as good I'm gonna, as we've ever seen him. I'm going to give that point J- JTR the benefit of the doubt. I'll wait until whatever mm-hmm. the All Star break. If he's still kind of slumping, all right, I'll, I'll make some changes there. But like I've just seen this story play out too many times, so I'm going to take my time on uh, on JT Realmuto. But man, hits for the cycle, awesome job for him. Let's get into some well, anything you'd like to add. Just to put it in perspective real quick. Um, so if we do head-to-head points per game for catchers this year entering today, you got 3.63 for Will Smith. You got 3.43 for Sean Murphy. 3.10 for Jonah Heim. 2.87 for Adley Rushman. 2.85 for Salvador Perez. JT Real Muto was way down at 2.27. So, yep. like, you know, he, he looked more like, from a point-per-game perspective, <laughs> Danny Jansen had more this year <laughs> yeah. than, uh, than Real Muto did. But hopefully he'll get rolling now because we all know he's better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I already had him. I had Will Smith ahead of him in head-to-head points. But in Roto, I still have Real Muto 1 because... Look, nine steals, a little over a third into the season. He's, you know, he's on pace for like twenty-five steals. It's we need more power, and we need counting stats from uh, JT Real Muto. Let's talk about some waiver wire hitters, Scott. And uh, where should these hitters be rostered? You could tell me league size, format type, uh, maybe you know where they might specialize most. And start off with Taylor Ward, who is all the way up to seventy-five percent rostered. So he's he's really not out there unless it's a you know shallow ten or twelve-team league. He went two for five with a double and two runs scored. And over his last 11 games, he's now batting 341 with four home home runs, three doubles, and a 93 mile per hour average exit velocity. Scott, where should Taylor Ward be rostered? Should this number be 100%? No, it shouldn't be 100%. I think 75 is pretty much spot on. It includes all the five outfielder leagues where I would say he's must roster. And it includes a, a percent, a certain percentage of three outfielder leagues. I, I think that's, I, I think that's right where he is right now as sort of a um, fringe contributor in a three outfielder league. Somebody you can play matchups with. Somebody you're not afraid to drop if if something more exciting comes along. Even though he has picked up the pace, and I'm I'm hopeful that he can continue that. There is still a playing time issue. I mean, he sat out two of the team's last six games so the the angels are working with kind of an abundance of outfielders there, trying to get mickey moniac involved and of course they have mike trout and hunter renfro and otani's fixed in that dh spot so it 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 does make for less than everyday bats reward but if he gets if he gets to doing like what he did early last season or late last season then of course it's not going to matter and he will be playing every day and we'll see the roster rate rise but as things stand currently, I think 75% is spot on. All right. Ezekiel Duran is the next name up here. He went one for three with his eighth home run. He added three RBI. And now on the season, he's batting 310 with eight homers, three steals, and 884 OPS. He is 69% rostered and is triple eligible. Third base, shortstop, and outfield. Scott, does this number sound right as well? Or again, should he be closer to 100%? 
Well, I almost brought it up on yesterday's show when when Chris mentioned Ezekiel Duran as somebody he's interested in. Uh, I had already talked about Lamont Wade as maybe the most under-rostered hitter. Ezekiel Duran is definitely in that conversation as well because it's not just, you know, normally when you see a guy like him, you know, kind of an under-the-radar name who doesn't have a clear position hitting 310, you're like, okay, well, he's been hot, whatever. He's going to regress and He's probably like a 260 hitter in real life. No, his expected batting average is 297. His expected batting average, that's 94th percentile. And his expected slug is 90th percentile. So the data backs up everything Ezekiel Duran is doing. And he's triple eligible, as you mentioned. He provides speed. 69% rostered is way too low. And also worth pointing out, because he doesn't have a dedicated position, they're still finding ways to get him in the lineup. Uh, some left field, some DH, some shortstop with Corey Seager playing DH. So I think I think people need to stop sleeping on Duran. The one hesitation may be in points leagues where steals aren't as valuable. And if there is one knock on Duran's game offensively, walk rate's only 4.8%. So that holds him back in points leagues. But... I can pull up his point per game average real quick uh, to see exactly what it is. Because that may be overstated as well as he's hitting. Maybe we shouldn't worry so much about his walk rate. So 2.73 is what he's averaging per game. Uh, hmm, That's pretty middling. Yeah, I, I can see him being pretty fringy in points leagues. So maybe that's what's restricting that roster rate. Obviously, there are a lot of points leagues on CBS Sports. Dot com, but still plenty useful in that format. Mm-hmm. Again, that is Ezekiel Duran, 69% rostered, has triple eligibility, third base, shortstop, and outfield. Uh, speaking of eligibility, Brendan Donovan is someone who has four different positions, first base, second, third, and outfield. He went two for four with a run scored in over his last 18 games. He's batting 295 with three homers, two steals, 10 walks to six strikeouts, which definitely helps in the points league format, uh, and a 91 mile per hour average exit velocity. Scott, I know Donovan was someone who got off to a great start and then basically hit a wall, did nothing for like a month, uh, and now he's Mm -hmm. coming back to life. 62% rostered. Your thoughts on him? Well, I'm not wild about him. I bought in early this season to, to... you know, he, he was showing improved power in spring training and had his hardest hit ball of his entire career on opening day. And I thought maybe he had uh, turned over a new leaf and had added an element of power to his game. But it hasn't been enough. I mean, even during this hot stretch, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to see more. And his playing time we've already seen is pretty tenuous. He's been playing more because he's been performing well, but his playing time comes at the expense of somebody. It comes at the expense of Nolan Gorman at times. It comes at the expense of, at times, Tommy Edmond, though not as much recently because Edmond's been playing center. Lars Newbar's working his way back. Tyler O'Neill is going to be soon to return after that. I mean, it's just going to be hard to keep everybody fed and unless... Unless Donovan is reaching base at a 380 clip reliably, probably more likely than not to be the odd man out 
much okay. of the time. So I'll, I'll leave it where he is. Three outfielders, Scott. I want you to rank this group and, and let me know uh, where they should be rostered as well. Jose Siri went one for three with his 12th home run. 110.9 exit velocity, 427 feet. Uh, he's got a. He's only batting 224, but an 819 OPS. Also has six steals. TJ Friedel went two for five with two doubles, two runs, and an RBI. Was leading off for the Reds on Monday. He is batting 314, only three home runs, but an 848 OPS. And Leody Tavares, three for five with a double and a walk. He's batting 302 with five homers, six steals, and an 833 OPS. There, Scotty. Uh, how would you rank this group? Siri, Friedel, and Leody Tavares. I'm going to put Siri last because he's a batting average liability and has the usual playing time issues that so many of their the Rays hitters have. So he'll be last for sure. Between Tavares and Friedel, I think I'm going to lean Tavares. Certainly the data is better for him. His expected batting average is 91st percentile, 290. Uh, he's striking out much less than we've seen in, in the past. He's a very fast runner. Uh, TJ Friedel, meanwhile, has a third percentile average exit velocity. He's he's somehow, he's made good on it. He has a very high line drive rate, but I don't know how long he's going to be able to sustain that. And I just think there are more tools there for Tavares. It's a better lineup, obviously. I'm going to go with him one, Friedel two, and then Jose Siri three. Okay, the last two names on this list are both corner infielders. Spencer Torkelson went three for six with his sixth home run, added three RBI, hit a two-run homer off Rysel Iglesias that was 440 feet. And it's weird, Scott, because I keep waiting for it to happen for Torkelson. He's hitting the ball harder this year. He's putting it in the air. He's pulling the ball, and he has improved plate discipline. Yet, I look at his full season line. He's batting 232 with a 686 OPS, so... It's weird that the data uh, and the plate discipline looks pretty good, but it hasn't really uh, uh, amounted to much for Spencer, Spencer Torkelson. The other name is Emmanuel Rivera, someone we spoke about recently. Two for three with two runs and two RBI. He is batting 364 with an 872 OPS, Scott. Uh, your thoughts on Torkelson and Rivera? Well, you're right, and I agree that the individual data components look pretty strong for Torkelson. But there must be something we're missing in the data itself because the expected batting average is 259. That, that's decent. But the expected slug is 424. I mean, he's slugging less than that. He is underperforming his expected slug. But even if we grant him his expected slug and say Torkelson is going to slug 424, that's still not enough probably to make him a, a, a useful fantasy option in most leagues. So... <sighs> It's it's I, I kind of feel about Torkelson the way I do about Kid Brian Hayes, where there are a lot of a lot of things we could point to to say uh, this guy is a breakout waiting to happen. But I'm I'm almost to the point where I have to see it to believe it because for whatever reason it hasn't happened, and that's been going on for a very long time now. So that's my take with him. Rivera been playing consistently. Emmanuel Rivera. He's been like consistently, he a little more than recently. He's interesting. I've, I talked about him, I don't know, a week or two ago and how he's striking out much less and, and was in the minors too this year. So I, I feel like he's changed something that could allow him to, to be more useful in fantasy. But uh, 
for now, I'm going to, I'm going to exclude Emmanuel Rivera, except in the deeper leagues. Mm-hmm. I feel like for both of these guys, Torkelson is, you probably need a Roto size lineup guy with a corner infielder and, you know, those extra spots to get him involved. Um, and same thing with Rivera. You're probably looking at 15 team leagues for now, but two names to pay attention to. And uh, let's see where it goes from here. Let's take our final uh, first break, rather. And when we get back, we'll talk about the other rookies, the names that we haven't really mentioned in a while. We'll do that right after this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Streaming live on Paramount Plus, the ultimate international soccer soccer rivalry is renewed when USA takes on Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. The U.S. is two wins from defending their title, and it's once again Mexico standing in their way looking for revenge. This is more than just a match. This is a battle for regional bragging rights. USA versus Mexico this Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, streaming live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Try it free at ParamountPlus.com slash live sports. Let's talk about those other rookie Scott names we haven't really mentioned in a while and wanted to check in on Jordan Walker and see what he's up to since returning from the minors. He went two for four on Monday, got caught stealing. You know, I, I like the fact that he was trying to run. I don't like the fact that he was obviously caught. Uh, but in 11 games since returning, he's batting 314 with two home runs, three walks to four strikeouts. So plate discipline looks pretty good there. Uh, 97 mile per hour average exit velocity but also comes with a ton of ground balls, uh, right around a 56% ground ball rate. Your thoughts on the uh, the revamped Jordan Walker since he's re- returned? Well, it was up over 60 before getting sent down, so 56 yeah. is still very high, but it's not absurdly high. And, you know, we're talking a small sample, obviously, so it could con- it could go back up, it could continue to go down. We don't, we don't really know where it's going to end up, obviously. But the production's been good, and I think that's... Uh, you know, the strikeouts have been low. The exit velocity, as you point out, very, very high. I'm encouraged. I I got him active everywhere I had him for this week, which is quite a few leagues, actually. 
And uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's must start yet, you know, if we're accounting for all those shallow leagues out there. But he could get there very quickly because we know the upside is huge. And in every respect but the ground ball rate, he is delivering on that upside in the 11 games since he returned. Yeah, again, 97 mile per hour average EV. He is crushing the ball. It's if we lift a little bit more, then I think we could start to see some extra base hits, the home runs, so on and so forth. Jordan Walker up to 88% rostered. He's 66% started. So I think most people agree with you, Scott. Not a must start yet on Jordan Walker. Two corner infielders, Brett Beatty and Matt Mervis. We'll start with Beatty. He is batting 228 with four home runs and a 663 OPS. For the most parts, the uh, for the most part, the plate discipline looks fine. Uh, he hits the ball hard, but a good amount of ground balls as well. 50% ground ball rate. He is down to 55% rostered. And Matt Mervis, my guy, it's not looking very good right now. Batting 165 with three home runs and a 33% strikeout rate. He is hitting the ball hard. The expected numbers look better. Uh, only three for 19 against left-handed pitching, Scott. So your thoughts on Brett Beatty and Matt Mervis. Uh, do we need to continue to hold on to these guys or... Do we drop and then pick them back up? What do you think? Well, it's funny. In the Scott White Dynasty League, you have Brett Beatty. I have Matt Mervis. I keep <laughs> trying to get Beatty from you. You keep trying to get Mervis from me. So I, I don't know what that says. But I, obviously, we, we still have some interest in these fellas, <laughs> despite their lack of production so far. I, I think with Beatty especially what he most needs is consistent playing time. Uh, he has been playing a decent amount, but they faced a lot of lefties recently, and he's like they they just always sit him against lefties. So I don't know that he's I don't know that he's had a chance to really settle in. But given how hard he hits the ball, and given that he has a pretty discerning batting eye, you know, his strikeout rate's below 25%, I, I like his chances to have a, to, for it all to click here sooner than later. And I, I think in any league where you have a corner infield spot like traditional Roto, you probably should hold on to him. As for Mervis, I have held on to him in those same leagues. I was able to get him in more of those leagues than Beatty, actually. And I, I, I have yet to drop Matt Mervis in a league where I, where I picked him up. I didn't bother in the shallower leagues, the head-to-head leagues. So, you know, obviously I would have moved on already if I got him there, but I didn't bother in the first place. And in the corner infield leagues, the roto leagues, I still have all the shares of Mervis that I started out with. But I've been more discouraged by him, in particular the strikeout rate, because that was, that was one of the most interesting things about him during his breakthrough in the minors last year, as he moved up the ladder, that strikeout rate got better and better. It was less than 20% for one of the best power hitters in all the minors. And that that seemed like a great combination of skills. And yet so far in the majors, Mervis, as a 25-year-old, I'll point out, so not an especially young guy, has struck out exactly one-third of the time. And that's that's just too much. And it's cost him playing time. He's playing even less regularly than, than Beatty now. Uh I've, I've held on to him because I still believe in the profile and the upside, but he needs to, he needs to start showing it soon or I'm, that belief is going to falter. Mm-hmm. 
And last point on Beatty. I, I agree. I wish they would just play him every day. It's a small sample size, only 28 bats at bats against lefties a season. But he has seven hits. He's batting 250. One of his four home runs have come against lefties. So I wish the Mets would just kind of, you know, let him go and let him play every day and, and see what Brett Beatty could, could actually do. But uh, he has been a little, not a little, he has been underwhelming. There's no doubt about that. Um, I, I really, I really hurt my trade chances with that assessment of both those players. I feel like, <laughs> well, you talked down my guy and talked up your guy. So, yeah, you are leaving out a big detail, Scott, that Brett Beatty is in my minor league spot, which, oh you know, yeah, no, obvi- it, obviously no, has a huge value. None of these deals have been one for one. Right, right, right. Uh, let's talk about Anthony Volpe, another player who's actually on your Scott White Dynasty League team. The batting average is down to 186. The power and speed has been helpful for fantasy. Nine home runs, 14 steals on the season, but a 605 OPS, a 31% strikeout rate for Anthony Volpe. The expected stats don't look great. Uh, you look at his breakdown versus different pitches, fastball, breaking, off-speed. All three of them have been pretty rough. And we know Oswald Peraza has played well in the minors this year. Down at AAA, he's batting 311 with 10 homers, 7 seals, and a 980 OPS. Scott, Volpe is still 84% rostered. Do we continue to hold on? How long do you think the leash is for the Yankees? Uh, what are you thinking with Volpe? Well, I guess... I guess I'll stick to my original line from very early in the season when Volpe was struggling that until the Yankees give up on him, I don't think we need to give up on him because the Yankees have even more incentive to get up, give up on him, especially with the way Oswald Peraza, who remember entered spring training as the favorite for the shortstop job and was considered the, the better defender on paper. Uh, Volpe's been fine defensively, but Peraza the scouting reports say he's even better as a defender. And so it would be very easy for the Yankees to make that swap at this point. Uh, I, I know last time we talked about Anthony Volpe on here, I was I was fairly optimistic. You were downright bullish, and you told me if I dropped him in one of our shallowest leagues, the, the, the podcast listeners league, head-to-head points league, if I dropped him in that league, he's my res- he's on my bench. But if I dropped him, you'd pick him up. And so I haven't dropped him basically <laughs> because of that because I didn't want to risk losing him to you. I finally did put in a bid to to drop him heading into this week because somebody else had dropped Carlos Correa and I figured, okay, I'd rather have Correa as my backup shortstop than, uh, than Volpe. Didn't end up going through. Somebody else bid more on Correa, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm back to considering that with Volpe. Now, again, that's one of my shallowest leagues, and it's not a league that puts a heavy emphasis on stolen bases specifically. Volpe's 14 for 14, and those is the thing he's done best. But, you know, the fact he's batting 186 with a 605 OPS, you got to wonder how long the Yankees are willing to, uh, to, to let him take his lumps. Especially while Aaron Judge is out, and they really do need help offensively. Yeah, I don't think they're there yet, but I think by the end of the June, by the end of June, they might have decisions to make here on Anthony Volpe. So uh, he's got to pick it up. I think he's even been like losing playing time here and there too. So we'll see. Uh, but Volpe's still eighty four percent rostered at this point. Move a little bit further down, Scott, in terms of uh, depth of league and two middle infielders. One that we were very excited about coming into the season, and one was actually a surprise call up 
Zach Neto uh, on Monday actually went two for five with two doubles. He had two batted balls over 107 exit velocity. He also had two home runs on Sunday, and he's batting 257 with five homers and five steals on the season. The other name is Ezekiel Tovar, who's batting 248 with five home runs, three steals, and a 692 OPS. Has played much better uh, over his last 24 games, batting 300 during that time, Scott. I would say these are more for probably the Roto Leagues with the middle infield spot, um, but what are your thoughts on Neto and Tovar? Maybe who would you prefer between the two? Well, I'm not particularly high on either right now. I guess I would prefer Tovar because of, well, the obvious. He plays half his games at Coors Field, so it makes it pretty easy to use him when the schedule lines up that way. Neto keeps having these like big games, and I go check out his game log when he has a big game to see, oh, maybe he's really picking it up. And, and they're just it's just so isolated. Like, he'll have a big game and then he'll go into hiding again. And so I've actually seen him out there in some of those deeper categories leagues. And uh, unless I specifically had a need up the middle at shortstop, I, I haven't bothered to pick him up. So I, I guess I prefer Net, uh, Ezekiel Tovar. But, you know, it, it could change very quickly if if Neto does go on a real hot streak. Mm-hmm. I think I prefer Neto over Tovar. I know Tovar has Coors Field, but Neto makes a good amount of contact, 19%, and a 90-mile-per-hour average exit velocity for a middle infielder, that's, that's pretty impressive. So uh, it's close between the two, but I'll, I'll take Neto by a hair. Let's take a look at some of the rookie pitcher Scott names we haven't talked about in a while. Hunter Brown, yeah, he wasn't one of these names that got called up, you know, early in the season. He just started in the uh, Astros opening day rotation, and he's been really good. 3.69 ERA, a 1.21 whip, 10.4K per nine for him. Uh, Tanner Bybee in eight starts, a 3.05 ERA, a 1.13 whip, uh, 8.5K per nine for him. The swinging strike rate, a little bit underwhelming there. Taj Bradley in five starts since returning from the minors, a 4.63 ERA and a 1.5 whip there. Still getting lots of strikeouts, but uh, lots of walks and lots of hard contact for Taj Bradley. The other name I wanted to mention, Bobby Miller in four starts, a 0.78 ERA, a 0.83 whip, right at a strikeout per inning, a 54% ground ball rate, and an 11.8% swinging strike rate. Scott, your thoughts on this group, and how would you rank them rest of season? Well, I would rank them. I'll start with that, I guess. Rest of season, I'll say Hunter Brown. I think I'm going to put Bobby Miller ahead of Tanner Bybee now. So Hunter Brown, Bobby Miller, Tanner Bybee, Taj Bradley. A lot of B names there. (laughs) I'm just now noticing. Hunter Brown has been very impressive of late, and he has that rare combination of elite ground ball skills and also pretty good bat-missing ability. Sort of like his teammate Fromber Valdez, though not quite to that extreme with the ground balls. And uh, I, I I, I think that's a pretty attractive package. It's part of the reason why I like Brian Bayo to break out. Hunter Brown already appears to be breaking out. And he's RP eligible, if that matters in your league, so even better. I think the ones who've surprised me most, both in a positive way and a negative way, Bobby Miller in a positive way, because both this year and last, the minor league numbers just weren't that impressive. And I was a little underwhelmed by the results in his major league debut, 
I wasn't sure if he was going to stick around long, but I think he's definitely made a, pl- a place for himself in the Dodgers rotation. His fastball, though he throws it hard, isn't a big bat misser on its own. So that was part of the reason I was underwhelmed. But like, he, he has a deep secondary arsenal and he relies on it a lot. So I think he's just really fleshed out as a pitcher. And, you know, he has good ground ball skills himself. He's been getting more swinging strikes the more he's he's pitched. And I think he's I think he's probably legit. He looks really good. And then the disappointing the one who surprised me in a disappointing way is Taj Bradley. I mean, for all the for all the lamentations when he got sent down by the Rays, turns out we weren't missing much because he's just been really underwhelming since returning and, and was awful during his time back in the minors. Mm-hmm. I still blame the race, Scott. <laughs> I'd say okay. they ruined his season by sending him Maybe down. They messed I, him up. I don't know. It, who knows? Maybe he would have struggled regardless of what happened. But yeah, he does not look like the same pitcher as the one we saw in the first two or three starts earlier this season. Uh, we had two more rookies pitch on Monday. Bryce Miller, we needed to see a bounce back in a big way. And that's... I think for the most part, that's what we got. Six innings of one-run ball, only allowed one hit, uh, had six strikeouts to three walks, uh, 12 swinging strikes on 89 pitches, all 12 of those coming on the fastball. So just kind of sticking with that same pitch mix and the same theme that we've seen over and over again. He threw 72% fastballs, so he didn't leave himself a chance to get swinging strikes on much of anything else. Yeah, he did throw his slider more in the start. He used it 22% of the time, but did not get a single whiff on the pitch. So... I think it's still he's still kind of a confusing pitcher to to evaluate Bryce Miller is a 406 ERA and a .92 whip at this point and Matthew Libertor was the other one he got back on track as well up against the Giants six innings of two run ball with five strikeouts only seven swinging strikes and uh, his fastball velocity has now been down two starts in a row averaging below 94 miles per hour on the pitch uh, your latest thoughts here Scott on Bryce Miller is he back and uh, Matthew Liberator, does he need to be rostered? Well, you still see the vulnerabilities for Bryce Miller, even when he had good results in this start. So uh, he lives and dies by that fastball. And is it good enough that he can, he'll live more than he dies? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, his ERA is over four now. It was, it was a great start. It was against Miami, worth pointing out. If he had a bad start against Miami after the two you know, after allowing a combined 15 earned runs in the previous two starts, I think we would have been dropping him everywhere. I think it would have been over for Bryce Miller at that point. But he he earned himself the right to stay on rosters with this good start, and um, he has another favorable matchup coming up in later with later in the week. We'll see how that one goes. As for Liberator, I have no confidence in him whatsoever. I'm I'm pretty much out on Liberator. Yep. He. It got us interested again, primarily because of a jump in, fat, in in velocity, but it's just been steadily dropping during his time in the majors to the point now his his average velocity and his fastball in this start was basically what it was last year. So he's gone from, you know, he's lost he's lost almost two miles per hour on it since he first got called up. And unless he reverses the trend, I have no reason to think Libertor is going to be worthwhile. Liberator, 36% rostered. You can leave him on waiver wires for now. Scott, last question on Bryce Miller. Would you take him over any of the names we previously talked about? Maybe Taj Bradley? Yeah, I'd take him over Bradley. Okay. But not 
Brown, Bobby, or Bybee. <laughs> All the B names. Bryce over uh, Bradley, but not Bobby and Bybee. I agree with you, by the way, in terms of the order that you ranked them. I, I would take uh, Bobby Miller now second on that list, moving ahead of Tanner Bybee. Let's take our final break, and when we return, we'll hit some news and notes. I've got some leftovers. We'll do all of that right after this. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, and thank you to all those watching us live. Please hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. The news and notes, the biggest of the day was Ryan Helsley being placed on the IL with a right forearm strain. Test came back negative, but he will be shut down for the next few days and expect Giovanni Gallegos to take over as the Cardinals closer in the meantime. And he is 49% rostered. So if you need a reliever in a points league or even any type of categories league where you're chasing saves, Giovanni Gallegos absolutely should be added. John Gray was scratched from his start on Tuesday due to a blister. The hope is that it's a minor issue and Gray should be able to avoid the IL. Marcelo Zuno was removed Monday after getting hit by a pitch to uh, the hand slash wrist area. He initially remained in the game, but was later pinch hit for. And I think I saw an update that he's uh, he's day to day. It doesn't sound like it's it's too bad there for Ozuna. X-rays were negative. Yeah. Yep. Lars Newbar took batting practice and did some sprints Monday. He's on the IL with back discomfort. Pete Fairbanks is scheduled to throw a second live BP at the Florida Complex League, and if all goes well, could be back with the Rays soon. Trevor Story, I'm, go ahead. I, I, at this point, I'm hoping they just leave Adam, Jason Adam, in the closer role because like, they, they, they keep reinstalling Fairbanks and he goes down again. And Adam's fine. Like he's 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 been great filling in for for Fairbanks, and I just don't know why they'd want to uh, jerk everybody around like that. So I'm more hopeful than before. I mean, if if you're if you're in favor of Adam as opposed to Fairbanks, I'm more hopeful than before that he'll he'll just keep getting saves for the race. But we'll see. Just a guess. Trevor Story offered August as a rough timeline for when he'll be able to play shortstop. It remains possible that he returns sooner as the designated hitter. 
John Means recently said he feels great and suggested he could be back in August. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery and an upper back strain. Scott is John Means Business, a name that we should be stashing. Well, I can tell you I just put together my latest round of IL stashes, top IL stashes. It's a it's a rank list, a top 40. He did not make the top 40. <laughs> Didn't miss it by much. Okay. But 40 goes pretty deep, of course. He didn't make it. All right. Well, <laughs> doesn't sound too uh, too great there for John Means. Luke Voigt signed a minor league contract with the Mets and could get some playing time with Pete Alonso on the IL. Brewers outfield prospect Sal Freelich began a rehab assignment at the Arizona Complex League Friday, and he's been out since late April after undergoing surgery on his left thumb, but is a name to watch and remember. The Angels signed, wait for it, Daniel Murphy to a minor league contract. He has not played since 2020, but was betting 331 with the Long Island Ducks in the independent league. So, man, that would be something. I, I know their first base has, has been kind of an issue there. Uh, Jared Walsh isn't doing much. And I guess they could slide Brandon Drury over and, you know, move some players around. But who knows? Mm. Maybe. Uh, Daniel Murphy will get a shot at some point this season. Former former MVP runner-up, Daniel Murphy. Which oh, yes. is how MLB trade rumors reported the news, which made me do a double take. But yes, he finished second in MVP voting in 2016. Yeah, he had a crazy season that year. Uh, speaking of crazy, some crazy speed. The Royals selected the contract of... Outfielder Dyron Blanco, I'm probably saying that wrong, I think it's Dyron Blanco, who started in left field on Monday. He's a 30-year-old outfielder. He was betting 347 in the minors with three home runs and 47 steals in 49 games at AAA. Uh, he actually attempted a steal in this game. He ran so fast, he overslid the bag by like 10 feet, and he almost wound up in left field. It was crazy. I've, I really never saw anything like it. Uh, Scott, if... If we're looking for speed, is is does this name matter? Dyrone Blanco. Dyrone Blanco. Well, fast. Super fast. I <laughs> I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I would leave him for the really, really deep roto leagues for now. We'll see how much he plays. We'll see if he can sustain the hitting. But, you know, as a speed first guy who was in the minors until age 30. I think skepticism is warranted. All right, some leftovers. Let's start with the pitchers, and we've got two good and two bad. Charlie Morton, a solid outing at the Tigers, five and two-thirds shutout with eight strikeouts and 17 swinging strikes. Uh, the ERA is down to 3.60, but a 1.44 whip for Uncle Charlie. Logan Webb has turned in a quality start in nine of his last 10 outings. He was at the Cardinals, seven innings, three runs, six strikeouts to zero walks. He allowed 13 hard hits in this game with a 97.1 average exit velocity. And velocity was down around one mile per hour uh, on his sinker and slider. So let's pay attention. But regardless, Scott, it's another quality start and in what has been a great season for Logan Webb. Uh, any thoughts on him and Charlie Morton? Mm, not not a lot of thoughts. Charlie Morton, I'm I'm kind of getting tired of all the base runners. His whip's over 1.4 now. Yeah. Even though the ERA is respectable, the strikeout rate's respectable. He's just 
he's just been so blah. And probably worth rostering still, but yeah, just getting kind of over Charlie Morton. The walks are just a massive problem. He's up to four walks per nine on the season. He has three or more walks in six of 13 starts this season for Charlie Morton. And uh, he's got a 332 Babbitt. So those two th- things together, obviously going to lead to the high whip, but lots of strikeouts and still does pitch for a great team. So uh, yeah, you'll keep Mar- Morton around, but he obviously is not the pitcher that we remember from a couple of years ago. The two bad pitchers, Jesus Lazardo hit hard at the Mariners. He gave up six runs, five of those earned over four innings pitched. Still had 12 swinging strikes, but lots of hard contact. I watch a lot of Lazardo starts. He has great stuff, but just cannot command all of his pitches. And it seems mm-hmm. like once every start, he just leaves a slider up or a changeup up, and, and it winds up getting crushed. And that's exactly what happened in this start. And Zach Eflin, surprisingly enough, Scott, we talk about how far we moved him up the rankings, and then he gets beat up by the Oakland A's of all teams. Hey, the Oakland A's who have now won six games in a row, I might add. Um, Pretty surprising, Hmm. but they're, you know, they're hitting the ball right now. Um, Zach Eflin goes four and two-thirds, four runs allowed, six strikeouts with 13 swinging strikes. Anything you'd like to add on him and Lazardo? Yeah, not... Not really worried about Eflin. Bad starts happen, even against ostensibly bad teams. Lozardo, and I, I'm glad you're able to watch a, a lot of Lozardo starts. You're you're making up for for my lack of watching Lozardo starts because I can't watch Lozardo starts because they're blacked out locally, so I never get to see Lozardo. Yeah, but I mean, all the all the underlying numbers look a lot better than the overlaying numbers or whatever we want to call them. <laughs> Fact is ERA is over four. Just like the results have been very inconsistent, but a uh, great swinging strike rate. The ERA, ERA estimators are all mid threes. And so uh, I, I think more likely than not, he's going to regress to that, but he is, he's kind of a frustrating pitcher right now. Yeah. Uh, the BABIP against Lazardo, 335 this season, but he allows a good amount of hard contact, a lot of barrels too. So uh, he's probably someone that's going to live in the high threes ERA range and give you lots of strikeouts. That's a good pitcher. It's just not maybe the breakout pitcher I thought he was going to be uh, earlier on in the season. I don't think this matters, but one name's got uh, Connor Siebold turns in a strong start at the Red Sox, six innings, one run. Six strikeouts with uh, 10 swinging strikes. He's got a 4.70 ERA, a 1.38 whip. Uh, Does this start matter at all? I see nothing to get excited about there, and I looked. Okay. Some hitting leftovers. Nolan Arenado went two for four, and since the start of May, 36 games. He is batting 314 with 11 home runs and 31 RBI. And all of a sudden, the season-long line looks exactly like it should for Nolan Arenado. Mike Trout went one for three, and actually, it might have wound up being better than that. I think I wrote this earlier on, but uh, I know he stole a base, his first steal of the season. His batting average is down to 255, Scott. I, I thought that was <laughs> just kind of caught me off guard there uh, for Mike Trout. I know since the start of May, he's batting in the low 200s, lots of strikeouts, lots of pop ups. This yeah. isn't the player from a couple of years ago that's hitting all the home runs and stealing bases, but. I don't know. It's, are we getting to the point where he's not a batting average contributor either? Well, I've wondered that myself 
out loud on this podcast. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) His strikeout rate has been way up going back to 2021. And it's actually the worst of his career right now, 28.3. It's expected batting average is still 270, though. I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean by a batting average contributor. Like, is he going to hit 300? I would definitely bet the under. Is he going to hit higher than 254? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. So, like, he's just kind of a... Like, clearly, his, clearly his main attribute now is power, Mike Trout. He's basically a zero for steals. Um, and he's just kind of pretty good for batting average, not great like he used to be. So I think that's another justification. Like, if we were talking about how high do we move Cor- Corbin Carroll... Who do we move him ahead of? I think uh, I think Trout's somebody I'm comfortable moving him ahead of, mm-hmm. for sure. I did want to look up his his pace numbers. He is on pace for wow, only 33 home runs, 94 runs, 87 RBI, and the batting average is low too. So I don't know. This might be the beginning of uh, not the end, but I guess the end of Mike Trout being a consistent top two round player in fantasy baseball. Um, but, you know, still long season left. Maybe he'll co- go out and, and prove me wrong the rest of the way. Salvador Perez went two for five with his 14th home run. He's batting 275 with an 823 OPS. Teoscar Hernandez went two for four with a double, a run, and RBI. And in nine June games, he's batting 394 with two homers and eight RBI. So uh, that's good. Signs of life from Teoscar Hernandez. And Cattell Marte, your boy, Scott. He went three for five with a double and is batting 280 with an 823 OPS. The call to the bullpen, some updates here. Uh, Scott, you might want to go for a walk, go check on the laundry, uh, go to the bathroom if you need to. For the Braves, Rysel Iglesias, just a nightmare of a ninth inning. He entered with a three-run lead. He gave up three runs on five hits to the Tigers of all teams, took his second blown save, now has a 402 ERA and a 121 whip. Uh, the velo- the velocity was actually up across the board, so I didn't really see any yeah. issues outside of just you know he left some pitches around and and he got hit. Yeah, he didn't throw his fastball much at all, which is kind of weird. A lot of changeups and sliders. Uh, I noticed it, it was actually kind of cold in Detroit, and we don't. It, it's mid June, and we're still talking about the temperature of games. It was in the sixties, and I've I've noticed like when Rysel Iglesias has struggled, it's been cold weather. It's only this is only the third time all year he struggled, so uh, it it may there there may be nothing to that at all. I I know historically he's well, I'm not even sure about this. I didn't confirm it. I seem to remember him getting off to slow starts. Bottom line, I'm going all kinds of which ways with this, but bottom line is I'm not concerned about Rysel Iglesias. He's worked a lot lately. It's mostly been very effective, and uh, we'll give him a pass for this one. For the Giants, Camilo Doval recorded the final four outs for his 17th save. For the Royals, Scott Barlow entered in the ninth with the game tied. He gave up one run on a hit and a walk. And on the other side, for the Reds, Buck Farmer got the final two outs in the eighth inning with the game tied at the time. Then they take the lead from Scott Barlow. uh, And Buck Farmer stays in for the ninth because Alexis Diaz is unavailable. They've been using him a lot recently. Buck Farmer gave up a solo homer to Salvador Perez. Um, and then later on, somebody named Ricky Karcher would eventually pick up the save for the Reds in extra innings. For, the for what Ra- it's worth, yes. Rysel Iglesias' ERA, very stable 
month by month for his career. August and September are the best two, but April to July, pretty much the same every month. So there's probably nothing to what I was saying about the temperature. Okay. For the Rockies, we're paying close attention to see who might be the closer moving forward. Pierce Johnson entered in the uh, entered with the game tied and two outs in the eighth inning at the time. He walked one and then did get Rafael Devers out. Daniel Bard pitched in the ninth inning with the game tied. He gave up a double and a walk, but got out of it. And somebody named Matt Karasiti would eventually get the save in the extra innings. But, you know, if Daniel Bard pitched in the ninth, maybe he gets the next save opportunity. We'll see. I'm, I'm still betting on Justin Lawrence. He had worked to back-to-back days and was probably unavailable for this one. Yep. All right. Uh, for the Oakland A's, Ken Waldachuk pitched the final three innings with a one-run lead. He gave up two hits and struck out five. He actually looked very sharp. Uh, his first save of the season, and that came against Tampa Bay. And as I mentioned, the A's have won six in a row, so uh, good for them. Unless you're an A's fan. Maybe you want them to continue losing because you hate your owner or whatever it might be. Uh, let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream, Scotty, and we'll start with Tuesday. I think yesterday we said Edward Cabrera at the Mariners and Cutter Crawford versus the Rockies. Yeah, I'm still going to stick with those. How about yeah. Jamison Tyone? I know he's been bad, no. uh, but he's going up against the Pirates. No. Former team. The first place Pirates. That's true, they I are. I think they're still in first place. Yeah. But not good offensively. Yeah, they're just, but no. just barely in first place for uh, for Pittsburgh. Um, actually, when the Reds called up Ellie De La Cruz, I, I bet on the Reds to win the division. So I am now officially fully <laughs> on the bandwagon for the Cincinnati Reds. On Wednesday, I know we were underwhelmed last time out, but A.J. Smith-Chauver at the Tigers. I think that one works. Yeah, it was I, one of my 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. I think Garrett Whitlock versus the Rockies. Yep. And who else? Mm, uh, I, was, I was looking at Ben Lively for the matchup at the Royals, but he's gotten hit hard his last two starts. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. There are some pitchers I kind of like, but the matchups aren't good, like Ranger Suarez at the Diamondbacks and Michael Lorenzen against the Braves and Kyle Bradish against the Blue Jays, Reed Detmers at the Rangers. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I kind of lean no on all of them. I don't like any of those. Maybe Descalfani at the Cardinals. His last start was good. Yeah. If Not I, a lot of strikeouts recently. No, no. If I have to choose a third one, I'll say Dave Scofani, but I do like Smith Chauver and Garrett Whitlock a lot more than him. To, uh, team name Tuesday, Scotty. Let's go to this one from Patrick. I said, boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say, Bayo, Bayo. I'm glad <laughs> you sort of sang it so I could get the reference. Yeah, because if I just... <laughs> I think there's a lot of musical ones today, too. I, I, I gosh. It would be nice if Christian just pop in for Team Name Tuesday and then just go back to doing oh, I'm sure whatever he's doing. Love that. <laughs> uh, this one's from Bill. I'm over it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. From Felix, how Stefan got her Grove back. Who's the Stefan in this scenario? I think scenario? it's Trevor. Uh, it's, I guess it's Stefan then. Trevor Stefan. How Stefan got her Grove back? Nah. 
Not feeling it, Felix. <laughs> Try harder. All right. From Morgan, Yippee Kai, yay, Matt McLean. <laughs> okay, sure. I tried to convince one of my friends recently that Matt McLean was the son of Bruce Willis and see if they would pick it up, but it didn't it didn't work very well. This one's from Rain. Every Beatty Huang Young tonight. It's kind of kind of a reach. If you see the way that it's spelled out too, it's it's all over the yeah, place. Yeah, it's crammed four names in there. <laughs> and not even like famous players. So I no. Yeah. Not not feeling it, Rain. Try harder. From Paul, I don't think you're ready for this, Ellie. <laughs> okay. Do you know what that's that from, Scott? One? I don't. It's from Bootylicious by Beyonce, or I guess it might have been Destiny's Child at the time. Okay. But you should check it out. <laughs> I actually thought it was pretty good. From John Mack on Twitter, I don't practice Renteria. Yeah. I mean, is there a Renteria? In baseball right now, <laughs> uh, I, I can look up a, some minor this league players. Was a great players. team name fifteen years ago. <laughs> hey man, shout out to Edgar Renteria. Uh, looks like there's two minor leaguers: Marcel Renteria and Omar Renteria. So that's clearly who he's talking about, Scott. Mm. <laughs> From Cause Bieber, Bybee, Baby, Boom. I smell the blood of an Englishman. What does he actually say? What's the actual line? I think this is fee fi fo fum. <laughs> I think that's what it is. No, this doesn't work. This is a Heath team nickname <laughs> or team name. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, all right, we got a lot left from Brett Rookslin99. Rookslin99. I have a lot of rookies. Lance Lynn and Spencer Strider wears 99. <sighs> Scott is upset. Uh, stride for greatness. Okay. Hauk Lindor and Winker. This is supposed to be hook, line, and sinker. Thanks for putting <laughs> it in parentheses because there's no way I would have gotten it otherwise. Uh, yeah, that's why I left it there too. Uh, it's a fought bummer. I don't know. He's, did Heath submit these? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's trolling us. I appreciate it. <laughs> And the last one is Senga Genesis. It's simple enough, and I, I, that's the best of them. I'm not saying it's amazing, but that's the best of them of this of this batch. From Uncle Maddie, Winker Nailer Solaire Smy Lee. <laughs> okay. Yoshida known better. Yoshida known Bader. <laughs> that's not bad. It's not bad but it's not good i didn't benintendi to offend you <laughs> that's so bad it's almost good yeah uh, fraley's comet okay steer the wheeler to turner the carlson <laughs> what what is that I, I supposed to say uh, all right these let's the last group is from neil steer the wheel to turn the car is that what it's supposed to be like that's not i guess all right uh, from Neil, Bayonaise. Bayonaise. Okay, sure. Do you like mayonnaise, Scott? No. Me neither. I'm out. In fact, in, in, in high school, I wrote a paper all about how I didn't like mayonnaise, and it became kind of a thing <laughs> nice. that, that people remembered about me. I was the guy who didn't like mayonnaise, somewhat famously, though nobody, I'm sure, remembers that anymore but me. I'm with you, Scott. I also 
don't like mustard, but we'll save that for another day. The Cabert mm. Necessities. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I like cram and that was the only way that was going to work. Okay. Uh, Arenado Quan Dance. Quan Morel Time For I Go. Arenado Quan oh, Dance. Quan Morel Time For I Go. <laughs> I don't want to dis- dissect it anymore. That was bad. Okay. Uh, painter like Quan of your France girls. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Uh, you can that's as- the best one today. Uh, oh, gosh. This, this is... Uh, this is a reach. You can a Stanton younger my umbrelli Ellie Ellie hey <laughs> oh my gosh I'm just gonna move on. I mean just just use Ellie's name in that team name with the actual lyrics and it's probably fine. But this is this is t- trying too hard. Try less hard, Neo. Ellie Alejandro Ellie Alejandro. All right. Pup 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 pucker face pup pup pucker face. And that's all we've got. We're going to wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.